Meanwhile, recorded live on the Lava Lamp Lounge, it's somewhere in between a radio zine. News, music, culture, stories, and more. This show is what we make of it, and hopefully you'll join us in the fun, too. Now let's get started. And welcome to a very much welcome seasonal change. It's issue 14, October Everywhere. As I record this, it is Wednesday, and you won't hear this for a couple more days. But in waking up, I decided to go into the kitchen and putter around, and as I was staring out into the darkness in front of my house... It occurred to me, unfortunately, that I wasn't seeing fog, but smoke had rolled in over the night again. During my break from doing this program for a few weeks, we suffered from something which could only be described as a once-in-a-lifetime event, something I've never seen anything like before, and unfortunately, I probably won't be able to say that I won't see anything like this again, because if current trends continue in this direction, well, we're in for some smoky years from here on out. The two weeks that we were isolated in our home not because of a certain pandemic that we are all dealing with, but because now there was toxic and noxious smoke outside of our house, well, it was a difficult time, to be sure, for everyone. (laughs) But it made me think about the past and where we'd been before in Oregon. Stuff like this is actually nothing new for me. I've grown up knowing about not only the dangers of fires, but having lived through a few evacuations. My family lived in a place called Fields, just outside of Oak Ridge. I don't think it's there anymore. And I don't know if it was ever actually on a map. It was one of these cities that was a railroad town. A place really a collection of houses, where anyone who worked for the railroad could live as one of the many perks and benefits for working for the railroad. The difficulty of living in fields, which might become apparent because you have never heard of it, is that it was on the side of a mountain about eight miles away from Oak Ridge, If that gives you any inclination as to how remote the place was. Those eight miles were up dirt roads that took forever to navigate, making Oak Ridge about 45 minutes away, even though it was, as the crow flies, very near. Anyway, when my family lived there, Fire season was a real threat. There were essentially eight houses out in the middle of nowhere 
off to the side of some railroad tracks. And really, that location was probably best known as something that you could look at if you were taking a particular Amtrak line. And, uh, oh, look, there's some houses suddenly. But uh, there was nothing there. And the forest was just outside of our back door. So much so that deer and other animals would wander up to the front porch regularly. It was one of those places where you felt like you weren't anywhere near anyone. And then when someone did show up, you kind of wondered what they were doing and why they were out in the middle of nowhere. But it was also pretty idyllic, you know? Gigantic forests, huge stretches of trees and brush and animals and, yeah, trails. You could just go out and wander for hours. And, yeah, it was pretty cool. There was lots to do out there. It was, uh, it was a neat place. But on a few occasions, there were fire evacuations. Notices that... You'd better get out of there because we don't know which direction this fire is going to go. And that was certainly a challenge, especially when you had nine kids like my family did. <laughs> and uh, getting people in and out of places was sometimes tricky. Not only that, but consider pets and, well, sometimes those dirt roads up to my father's house could also be in the path of a fire hazard. Getting out might not be easy. All of these memories came flooding back to me a couple years ago when we were dealing with a particularly tragic fire season. A season that seemed so out of control and insane and beyond the pale of anything I had experienced before that it never occurred to me that I would be looking at these charts showing exactly how unhealthy it was for me to leave my house and that in spite of sitting in the living room where we were supposedly surrounded by walls and all sorts of insulation we could smell smoke pretty much the entire time we were stuck inside. So as I wake up this morning and I look at the smoke that has rolled in and I check the air quality index to find that we are in the upper moderate range, which is not good. And yeah, theoretically, I'm healthy enough to where I could probably go outside and be fine. And yeah, there's a lot of people that uh, don't have the luxury I do of staying indoors when it gets bad like this. But certainly, when I'm reflecting on what's been going on lately with our fires and our just devastated environment that seems beyond repair at times. There's a part of me that continues to watch my mailbox almost with a fervent passion. Just waiting. <laughs>
waiting for that ballot to arrive.
perhaps it is the old man in me or uh, just the kind of person that is thinking better thoughts. But this time of year, I tend to think of rain a fair amount. And not just the kinds of rain that we've been getting lately, although I wouldn't mind any amount of rain, to be honest. Uh, really, please, just bring it. But certainly there's something to be said for the kinds of rains that you remember from the past, regardless of whether or not you can actually find evidence that backs up your increasingly inaccurate theory that it used to rain more when you were a kid. I swear, I'm pretty sure it did. Didn't it? There was some part of me that remembers all these weird jokes about how it's always raining in Oregon and how the summer only lasts a week or something like that. Weird, odd t-shirts of people saying, oh yeah, when you live in Oregon, you just develop webbed feet and stuff like that. Probably as much a nod to a certain sports alignment than perhaps an actual observation regarding abilities or anything like that. So let's just say that this time of year, my thoughts are certainly on that of rain. The changing seasons, chances to reflect on things. The beginning of October actually marked the end of a long period of creative work that you know, while incredibly satisfying, was also uh, incredibly relieving to complete. And as I cast around to figure out which of the new projects I'm ignoring are going to be the first that I procrastinate on, I start to wonder about other things that I would like to see happen this year. Certainly, we're already under the impression that uh, this year is basically a bust for seeing anyone we care about or traveling to visit anyone we know and love. Basically, our eyes are set solidly on Halloween and celebrating it in a very intimate way for the first time, which is a little bit odd, to be sure. I mean, maybe we could sit around and tell ghost stories to each other and that kind of thing, but it's much more likely that I would probably, for example, read this short story by Richard Brodigan and hope that next time things are a little bit less creepy. 1692 Cotton Mather Newsreel. Oh, 1939 Tacoma, Washington, which... Where are you now that I am growing toward you? Once my body occupied a child's space, and door had a large meaning to them and were almost human. Opening a door meant something in 1939, and the children used to make fun of you because you were crazy and lived by yourself in an attic across the street from where we sat in the gutter like two slum sparrows. We were four years old. I think you are about as old as I am now, with the children always teasing and calling after you. The crazy woman! Run! Run! The witch! The witch! Don't let her look you in the eyes! She looked at me! Run! Help! Run! 
Now I'm beginning to look like you, with my long hippie hair and my strange clothes. I look about as crazy in 1967 as you did in 1939. Little children yell, Hey, hippie! at me in the San Francisco mornings, like we yelled, Hey, crazy woman! at you plodding through the Tacoma twilights. I guess you got used to it, as I've always gotten used to it. As a child, I would always hang my hat on a dare. Dare me to do anything, and I'd do it. Ugh. Some of the things that I did following, like a midget, Don Quixote, trails and visions of dares. We were sitting in the gutter doing nothing. Perhaps we were waiting for the witch or anything to happen that would free us from the gutter. We had been sitting there for almost an hour. Child's time. I dare you to go up to the witch's house and wave at me out the window, my friend said, finally to get things going. I looked up at the witch's house across the street. There was one window in her attic facing down upon us like a still photograph from a horror movie. Okay, I said. You've got guts, my friend said. I can't remember his name now. The decades have flighted off my memory, leaving a small empty place where his name should be. I got up from the gutter and walked across the street and around to the back of the house where the stairs were that led to the attic. There were gray wooden stairs, like the old mother cat, and went up three flights to her door. There were some garbage cans at the bottom of the stairs. I wondered what garbage can was the witch's. I lifted up one garbage can lid and looked inside to see if there was any witch's garbage in the can. There wasn't. The can was filled with just ordinary garbage. I lifted up the lid to the next garbage can, but there wasn't any witch's garbage in that can either. I tried the third can, but it was the same as the other two cans. No witch's garbage. There were three garbage cans, and there were three apartments in the house, including the attic where she lived. One of the cans had to be her garbage, but there wasn't any difference between her garbage and the other people's garbage. So... I walked up the stairs to the attic. I walked very carefully, as if I were petting an old gray mother cat nursing her kitties. I finally arrived at the witch's door. I didn't know whether she was inside or not. She could have been home. I felt like knocking, but that didn't make any sense. If she was there, she'd just slam the door on my face or ask me what I wanted and I'd run screaming down the stairs. Help! Help! She looked at me! The door was tall, silent, and human, like a middle-aged woman. I felt as if I were touching her hand when I opened the door delicately, like the inside of a watch. The first room in the house was her kitchen, and she wasn't in it. But there were twenty or thirty vases and jars and bottles filled with flowers. They were on the kitchen table and on all the shelves and ledges. Some of the flowers were stale, and some of the flowers were fresh. I went inside the next room, and it was the living room, and she wasn't there either. But again, there were twenty or thirty vases and jars and bottles filled with flowers. The flowers made my heart beat faster. Her garbage had lied to me. I went inside the last room, and it was her bedroom, and she wasn't there either, but again, the twenty or thirty vases and jars and bottles filled with flowers. There was a window right next to her bed, and it was the window that looked down on the street. The bed was made of brass, with a patchwork quilt on it. 
I walked over to the window and stood there staring down at my friend, who was sitting in the gutter looking up at the window. He couldn't believe that I was standing there in the witch's window, and I waved very slowly at him, and he waved very slowly at me. Our waving seemed to be very distant, traveling from our arms, like two people waving at each other in different cities, perhaps between Tacoma and Salem, and our waving was merely an echo of their waving across thousands of miles. Now the dare had been completed, and I turned around in the house, which was like a shallow garden, and all my fears collapsed upon me like a landslide of flowers as I ran screaming at the top of my lungs outside and down the stairs. I sounded as if I had stepped in a wheelbarrow-sized pile of steaming dragon When I came screaming around the side of the house, my friend jumped up from the gutter and started screaming too. I guess he thought that the witch was chasing me. We ran screaming through the streets of Tacoma, pursued by our own voices, like a 1692 Cotton Mather newsreel. This was a month or two before the German army marched into Poland. this week here on the program somewhere in between a radio zine October Everywhere issue 14 contains stories written by Austin Rich and Richard Brodigan including Wildfires, Rain and 1692 Cotton Mather Newsreel This episode was produced by Austin Rich in the Lava Lamp Lounge and was assembled using only the finest in 20th century technology. In the long-standing tradition of most zines, there is an open submission policy here. If you have a story that you'd like to send in, read, or just want to be a part of the show, why not drop a line to austinrich at gmail.com. That's going to do it for us this week. You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. And without you, 
there would be no program. Be seeing you.